You are now listening to For All Nerds Show, a podcast about geek and pop culture from the perspective of people of color. For All Nerds is hosted by DJ Ben Amin, Tatiana King-Jones, and Jeff J. Our show is edited and produced by DJ Ben Amin, and For All Nerds Show is a member of the Loudspeakers Network, where we always say rest in peace to our founder, Combat Jack. For All Nerds Show is powered by our listeners. Everything we do from our podcasts, live events, our website, are all independently funded. Please continue to support us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash for all nerds. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. Doodle. What's up, y'all, and welcome to another episode of the For All Nerd Show. The voice of the urban geek, the premier podcast of geek culture from the perspective of people of color. Wow. Geek and pop culture, you know. You almost did it. <laughs> almost stuck the landing. Almost did it. I give you a, I'm the Russian judge. Wow. Uh, six and a half. Wow. Wow. Cold ten. blood. You know, cold the Russian judge is always the coldest. Always. Always <laughs> the coldest. Right up there with the Germans. Shout out to the Russians and Germans listening to this, though. No shots. It is your boy, DJ Ben Amin, a.k.a. Keep that same energy on when you see me. The big dick grace and energy himself. Black, black, Goliath. YOLO Baggins. Meek Millhouse. The werewolf of U, U Street. The anti-trife equation. I, I ain't pulled that one out in a minute. Wait, wait, I like what that was, one. What was the U Street one? The werewolf of U Street. Interesting. Yeah, you know, like a wolf. Yeah, you know. No, I not, feel you. Uh, I feel you. you know, <laughs> it's a stretch. I would it's say a, I felt the reach from here to San Diego, but good it, job. It, it was a little Mr. Fantastical. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, and that voice you hear, you know, as we say on the show, people always start talking before they're introduced is Miss Interruption, Tatiana King Jones, a.k.a. the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as J Prince of All Saiyans, Dora the Explorer, Milliche, Edward Scissor Hands, Trill, Quiz Lambo Calrissian, Chance the Parapper, Colleen Wingstop and Sean Jean Luke Picard. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very nice. How you doing this week? Yes, sir. Um, I'm doing pretty well. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm a little bit on that that white wine today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, not quite Bacardi. Not quite Bacardi. Not quite Bacardi. So, uh, you know, not drunk or anything like that. But for the record, I would never be drunk on this podcast unless that's what the episode called for. Because mm-hmm. um, I do think that's just a little weird that to be like intoxicated at your job. <laughs> and, I can, and I consider this one of my jobs. So. We did have that 420 episode though, which. Well, that was, see, that was part of the theme. Like yes. if we're on brand on theme like that, then if you're, I, I don't know who partakes in the show, but you know, if you do, then, <laughs> you know, stuff happens. But um, mm-hmm. no, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm pretty good today. Yeah, it's definitely. Even though relaxed. A little, you know, white wine. I, I, I personally do not understand how you were drinking Bacardi like it was ninety three up in here. But you know, <laughs> well, to each their own. You know, <laughs> I do not think I've had was, Bacardi since the nineties. It 90s. wasn't like I was drinking it straight. Like I, I had it, I had it mixed in with some some new stuff that I had bought. So okay, and that, that was the only thing available. So hey, I just 
Houston. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure I know what you had it mixed with. You know, shout out to that chef out there. Yo, what up, um, Hawaii, Mike? Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure, it, yeah, I'd have Bacardi like that too. There we go. That's what I'm saying. Uh-huh, fully understandable. And um, real quick, you know, before we get off, I mean, let's get off this liquor talk. And, you know, shout outs to everyone who sponsors. checked. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hawaii might holler at us, bro. Okay. You know, you know, you know, okay. get sponsored. You know, we got ad space, all that good stuff. <laughs> and also shout outs to Allison Williams. Shout outs to all the listeners out there. You know, we love y'all. Everybody subscribe to SoundCloud, to iTunes, on Spotify, all those places. Because I didn't even got to tell you how we dropped this Allison Williams episode last week, pure fire. Yeah. Always love having Allison here. It's just, you know, a pure delight of mine. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. And the fact that I can actually call her a friend of mine now yeah. bugs me to fuck out. What You know, one thing I think that's so funny and cool about you is that you fangirl over your friends. So, like, Yo. you were so fangirl over <laughs> Allison. But, but it's, it's, it's. Uh, it's earned because mm-hmm. one thing I had mentioned about Allison is that I love just speaking to her and I love obviously I love when she's on the show because I love interviewing people who are about the real I love interviewing people who not just say oh yeah I'm here for helping people of color and doing this and doing that but they actually put their money and their their weight whether political weight or or social weight behind it mm-hmm. and she has done that time and time again and so I salute her for that, number one. And then number two, just speaking to her about the perfection, about a film that I probably would not see on my own without somebody coaxing me, but to be able to kind of dive into a genre that I'm not necessarily, uh, that I don't necessarily fuck with, <laughs> but learn something from it meant a lot. And and her expressing, uh, and really her candor in expressing, you know, why certain decisions were made in the movie and, and, and how it came about was, was really refreshing. Mm-hmm. And also I want to say, even though I definitely do fangirl out over Allison and, you know, I love that, you know, she's just such a cool person in real life. And like you said, puts her money and her time where her mouth is like, right. you know, does a lot of work. We shout outs to horizons, to organization that she works with when she's not doing films and everything else. And she just, you know, is such a great person, but I'm also happy that we can talk to her and be very real with her and distrust her work and distrust these movies. And I don't think that I pull punches or anything when I talk to her just because I am a friend of hers, because that's just... No. And I'm also very happy that, you know, since I've known her, she's done Get Out and The Perfection, two things that I like that I haven't been like, yo, Allison B, what was up with that, though? You know, Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of this show. We tell people to their face, like, yo, I don't know about that, man. Like, who was he talking to? Oh, Malcolm D. Lee. He was just like, so, uh, <laughs> what's that about Scary Movie 5 or whatever? Like, we tell him to, we, you know, we tell people to their face. And I think that's why y'all, the listeners, mess with us because it's like, we like, yo, that wasn't really that good, bro. Mm, or bro. not even just that, but we just be like, can you express or explain your decision making on mm-hmm. this? So, like, you know, even just talking to her, like, whether we were on air or not, like, I, I looked her in her face and been like, yo, Allison, this is some wild shit. What, what you, why are you... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, so, so to your point, you know, thank you again to Allison Williams for joining us. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, please do. Well, actually, first watch Perfection, then listen to the episode because we definitely spoil a little bit. Mm-hmm. And also, like we were saying, I just love having people on. 
because, and I want everyone to listen to this interview because she's talked about how we asked her things that no one else had done. And they did hella press for this interview. I've seen hella different interviews with her and her co-star Logan. They did all kind of different outlets. And she was telling us that no one talked about some of the, to me, were some of the major themes of the movie. Like, I was like, how did nobody ask you about this? Like, I'm not going to spoil it for those who haven't seen it yet. I want you to go watch it and then go listen to that interview. But it bugged me out that other outlets hadn't asked about this because to me that's like it is the movie and that's so weird to me that no one would ask her about that but you know once again that's what we do it for all nerds we bring you that heat so you know if you're not subscribed i mean you should be you're listening to it right now but make sure you you know hit that subscribe button leave a comment that five star rating all that good stuff and thank you thank you very much word Uh uh-huh and also (laughs) (laughs) word up Yo, one of my yo, shout outs to my my brother uh Drew the Grime, who I will never forget. I don't even know if he remembers this. We were kids and we were at this event where this young woman was speaking. She was basically like our age, maybe a year or two older than us. We were, you know, like this might have been elementary school, middle school. Okay. And after the speech, we were walking out of the event and he was like, Yo, man, I missed the perfect time to say word. You know, like during her speech, she was just like mad that he didn't, you know, get to throw that in. Like, word. You know, it was just that epic moment that you just, you know, needed that right there. And also, though, you know, back to the present and the news of the week, we got to give a shout out and big respect to Kit Harrington, a.k.a. Jon Snow, the king in the north, who entered into rehab I'm, i don't even want to call it rehab i guess therapy might be a better uh, word for it well you know you know a lot of tabloids has had said that and said oh he's this he's that his reps kits reps had issued a statement saying that he decided to use the break that he now has in his schedule as an opportunity to spend time at a wellness retreat to work on some personal issues um and they had mentioned that they place emphasis on the word wellness retreat. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't care if it's a wellness retreat, if it is rehab, if it, whatever mm-hmm. it is, do what you need to do to take yep. care of yourself. And this is particularly important for all people and also of people who are creatives, people whose very livelihood may may be, uh, I guess, reflective or hinder on, on your, your, your mental state, your emotional state, all that other stuff. So... I, if anything, I just give him all the kudos in the world. Like, I don't make jokes about that. Like, like similarly, like when um, Ben Affleck, when he had to drop out of being Batman to go to alcohol, um, I I don't know if it's alcohol or not, but he he also went to a retreat of sorts. And I just applauded him because it's just like, it's already hard to want to ask for help and to then get the help, but then to actually follow through with it is another story. So, Good job and kudos to Kit for taking that time out for his mental health, for his wellness, all that other stuff. Um, I know that this is a journey. Like, just you do it once and then, you know, maybe that will help. But but it's also an ongoing thing. Just throughout your life, wellness is an ongoing thing. So uh, definitely much love and blessings and good luck to him. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how he's said these he's started having these issues dealing with the fame itself of the show because when the show started you know the finale got i think three million viewers and then the first season and then in the final season i think it was like 22 million viewers so it's been an incredible increase you know people think that 
you know, a lot of people just started getting into Game of Thrones. We've been covering the show since the beginning, so it seems like everyone's always been into it from our perspective. But I know a lot of people who just binge it all this season. And he said that once the show became the Jon Snow show, like once it became season six where he gets killed and it resurrected and the focus is pretty much on him, he starts falling in love with Daenerys. Everybody has these ideas that, you know, every in a happy ending with him and Daenerys and stuff. And it became about him and he couldn't deal with that. Because right. this is a young man who'd never seen this type of fame before. And this is fame on a level that most people will never get to experience. And an experience yep. most people would never get to experience. And so he didn't know how to deal with that. And I remember he's a young dude and so he's dealing with all this and he's a young creative guy who probably just wanted to be an actor, you know, work on movies, thought he was to do some independent stuff and then boom. You know, you get the biggest role ever. Yeah, like he's he's he mentioned he's young. He's only thirty two. So wow. I when mean, he started, he was twenty two. Right, and and it's so funny. I actually watched the very first episode uh, of Game of Thrones the other day over, mm. the, over the holiday weekend, and he looks like a baby. Baby. Oh yeah, my like god! I mean, baby. they all do, but particularly all him. of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's going in for treatment for stress and alcohol use. Mm. Um, and again, like I said, I just more power to you. Get well. Do whatever you need to do to take the time out. Um, I hope it 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 definitely helps your worldview. Um. Mm. And, you know, like I said, I, I just I just think, you know, when we have the opportunity to do so, because not everybody has the opportunity. That's the other part. But when you have the opportunity to do something like this, that it's, it's best it's in your best interest to, to get some additional assistance. Mm -hmm. And uh, I definitely applaud anyone who goes to therapy, any type of therapy, rehab, like you said, whatever you want to call it, however you need to handle it, please do it. I myself have been looking into therapy and haven't been able to find the therapist that I really want. So I've been still going through that search. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about that a lot on the show about mental health. And lately I've been even taking more and more breaks from social media, even from group chats, from just various things like that, because I feel like we live in a world today that we're not really understanding yet. We're living in this social media, in this email, in this text world where you have basically just a lot of voices in your head that you normally wouldn't have. Like I've been having this discussion lately about how even Game of Thrones ended when I was feeling it, you know, and then I go on Twitter and everyone else is like, yo, this shit's whack. <laughs> and so then because of that, I'm like, well, you know, damn, was it, you know, maybe it was kind of whack, you know, and then you start getting into the jokes and the memes and they're funny and all that and everything. But at the same time, you're like, yo, I feel like Game of Thrones, no matter how whack it got, was better than 90% of television I've ever seen in my life. I mean, at the end of the day, whack or not, we was watching. Mm -hmm. We was entertained and we was into it. And what you had mentioned earlier about like at one point, well, 22 million people i could not fathom like you and i are talking right now and mm -hmm. and at any given moment up to 22 million people would be listening or watching oh and my have, god so like the thousands that do listen thank you guys yes and you know your opinions good and bad definitely matter i just could not fathom dealing with 22 million opinions no. <laughs> like that. oh my so god that's another level I mean, you got, you know, people, what was it, 500,000 people petitioning to remake the like, season. Uh, like, imagine that, a petition, you know, saying. Talk about stress. Yeah, stress for no good reason, just because you want to, you know, have a career and work and you get blessed with this opportunity. So a lot of people will look at you like, hey, you got this opportunity, you know, like, you should be happy. But imagine, dog, like you, most of us have a job where, you know, you got one or two people above you telling you what to do. Imagine 22 million people screaming at you about what to do. Yo. Yo. Yeah. It's a lot. 
you know, and that's why I say I've been taking breaks. I encourage anybody to do that, you know, take breaks from social media sometimes and just, you know, folks like, I don't know, man, it's weird. Like I, I always talk about this, like, you know, this whole level of negativity that just comes with social media and being anonymous on it. I feel like a lot of people just like to throw out negative things sometimes. And I just don't get that. Like the other day I was talking about how much I love lost and people just started coming at me like, yo, I hated the end of it. And I'm like, all right, that's your opinion and one. I don't care. You know, I was just talking about how much I love it. I really don't need to know that you hated it. I don't get that. Well, need, you know, well, when you are, especially when you are invested in something, like, I understand the sentiment of mm-hmm. hating something outright. Like I've hated, I, there's some, there's stuff where it's, you have know, you beyond, hated it though? Like really? What not have Game you of hated? Thrones. No, I know. But like, just what? I just want to know, like, just what have you hated, like, as far as media? Sonic the Hedgehog's character design. Uh, see, I didn't really... <laughs> hated. Like, okay. I wanted to to throw something out the window, hated. And, I'm just, and I understand that, like, here's the thing. When, when we, as people, make comments like that, like... I think it's a two-way street, right? Like, at the one hand, people are like, well, you got to think about all the production and the people behind it. Yeah, I get it, but we're not necessarily placing uh, 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 blame or or all of our negativity on those people. It's uh, what we see in front of us right now is not what we want, not what we need. At the other hand, people are like, but this is a creative process, and for you to be just so black and white about it is not fair to the people who are doing the work. And I understand both sides of it. And also, as someone who is in media, I understand there's a lot of nuance to it. But when you are a typical person on the street who is not in media and don't understand how it works, or 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 that's just not your way of life, I don't see an issue with vocalizing your opinion. What I do have an issue with is when you're not necessarily... I guess, equitable about it. And what I mean by that is when you're not really thinking the whole picture through, like when you're just, again, more black and white about things versus seeing a nuance in it, at the same time, like it's it's a very strange catch-22. At the same time, there are some projects that are just straight up trash. Mm. Projects that, and by that what I mean is projects that, that perpetuate racism, projects mm. that perpetuate stereotypes, shit like mm-hmm. that. Like yes. I, I, I don't have room for that. In my repertoire, I don't have room for that mentally. I don't have room for that uh, personally because it's just like we've been like it's just 2019, folks. You shouldn't be doing shit like that, but it still happens. Mm-hmm. But I think it's worth calling out. It's worth people having the opinions and sharing that. And also, at the end of the day, everyone has to understand we live in the world of Twitter now, mm-hmm. where. You have the platform. You can be this random from Kansas who has a very uh, uh, varied or specific opinion or expression of a body of work. And it may be enough where 20,000 people agree with you. And then it gets to the the table of that director or that writer or whatever the case may be. And what comes of it comes of it. But my point is now you you have the ability to share that. And I think at the end of the day, that's what it really comes down to. People, it's not like people never have these opinions. It's that now you have a platform to actually share it with the world. Mm-hmm. I was talking with a friend of mine, shout out to my homie Lance and Howard University up in here. And we were talking about Game Lance of Thrones. Lance, no, 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 no. No, no, that's one I don't know. I've ne- I, uh, I think I hosted a party with him. That's about it. Uh, okay. um, yeah, and no, my homie Lance. And we were talking about it, and he's like, yo, this is the same as being up in Blackburn. And for those who don't know, Blackburn is like a cafeteria-type thing. The up jump in, off. 
Yeah, it's the jump off. It's not the cafeteria. It's not everything. But, you know, you be in Blackburn. You're, that's where you meet everybody up. It's a building at Howard's campus. And so he's like, this is about being in Blackburn and talking about hip-hop, you know, and who's the best rapper and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but back then, if it was me and you talking about it, you might have a few random people that we know personally walk up and start, you know, joining in the conversation. But nowadays, if I'm on Twitter and me and you, Tatiana, are talking about something, we're going to have... 50 to 100 other people who I don't know just come in and start joining the conversation and that's cool sometimes but at the same time when I'm talking about something and I'm like yo I love this and you're just like yo I hate it I'm like that does that's not where you're adding anything to the conversation and I'm mm. you're not going to convince me one way and I'm not convinced you the other so I'm not really here for that I'm here to like talk about stuff I love and everything it, like you said if there's something blatantly bad most of the times I won't even discuss it though. That's the other thing because mm. I don't like bringing energy to it. Like I watched two properties on Netflix in the last two nights, both of them where I was like, whoa, like this is whack, you know? <laughs> and I'm not going to, I'm not going to go on Twitter and be like, yo, did y'all see this? Whoop, whoop, whoop. I'm just leaving it at that. Like, wow. Why? But that's you. Yeah, Twitter I know. is literally there for people to be like, yo, I saw some wild shit on Netflix. That was whack. Let me tell you about it. And let me tell you why I think it's whack. <laughs> I know. And yeah, I know is. in your mind, you may think, well, that's counterintuitive because now you're giving energy and attention to the mm-hmm. very thing that you don't want. You, you're trying to tell people sucks. But I mean, that's what Twitter's for. <laughs> it's it's the best place in the world. And it's a hell site. So like, I don't know how to express it otherwise. Like social media is what it is. There's no hope for it. It's what you're saying. No, no, I mean, to be very pessimistic about it now, to be very uh, uh, real, uh, not even pessimistic, just to be very real about it, realistic about it. It's just, again, it's both. It's a dichotomy. It's both like all of this stuff is a hell site. And at the same time, it's like the greatest thing in the world. Where else yeah, can right? you can you can you tell an actor or, or artist or music person directly about how you feel about something good or bad? Yeah. I, now I'm not gonna like go up to John Legend and be like, "Yo, I hated that song." Da, da, da. Like, what's the point? But stop making R&B for white people. <laughs> you know? Not, like, I, oh, see, that's your personal <laughs> issue. See, I ain't got no issue with the man. No. I was just using his. No, no, I, no. Look, hey, look, I, I just you know, I, ordinary people is my joint. You know, there's there's a couple. No, actually, the whole first. Uh, I wish he just drove back to that first uh, album, John Legend. <laughs> That first album, John Legend, is my shit. She don't have to know. Like, when that nigga was singing that grimy shit, you know, he got married. He's like, I can't sing that grimy shit no more. Like, you know? Hey, Ben, I mean. Yep. You want his old shit by his old albums. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. You know, I bought that first album and loved it. And I'll, 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 I'll go bump it on title. I feel you. You know, shout you out know? to Mr. Legend. I'll go bump that first album tomorrow. Shout out to Jay. Yep, shout out to Jay, all that. Um, but yeah, we're going to take a quick break with that, you know, before once again, we turn this into the music and alcohol podcast. <laughs> shout out to Noriega. I think he already got that one, you know, down pat. Shout out to the drink champs. You know, we ain't trying to take that. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more of the For All Nerds show. Hey, I'm Malcolm Lee, director of Night School. And when I'm not directing, writing and producing and editing and spending time with my kids, I'm listening to For All Nerds. What's up, everybody? This is Chuck Creekmer, a.k.a. Jigsaw from AllHipHop.com. And when I'm not placing my heavy hand on the world of hip-hop culture, I'm watching For All Nerds. Hey, this is Pamela Ribbon, and when I'm not writing things like My Boyfriend is a Bear or Ralph Breaks the Internet, I am listening to For All Nerds. 
Hey, this is Kelly Robbins Hicks, executive producer of Random Acts of Blindness. And when I'm not making white people mad as hell, I'm listening to the For All Nerd Show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Asante, one-third of the Friend Zone. And when I am not smoking pot or playing Shinobi Striker, I am listening to For All Nerds. Tune in. this episode of the for all nerd show thank you to everybody out there who has subscribed on all those various platforms itunes etc youtube all that good stuff we everywhere out there and especially shout outs to all the patreons at patreon.com slash for all nerds for keeping this mission going thank you so much it means so much to me to see people actually put their money behind us their belief in us all that because you know it's like people putting up though like it's a netflix subscription that's like crazy to me for real yes i love it and i'm like so appreciative i I was i'm still in shock every day (laughs) every every day so thank you so much you know if you would like to join a few and a proud the fan fam no for not fram fan yeah fan fan. drinking (laughs) not me not tonight actually uh uh, you know unfortunately not no I've, i've not had a sip of any liquor tonight you know just just a little off on my words but yes if you would like to join the fan fam you can head over to patreon.com slash for all nerds and you know help us out and help yourself out by helping us because you know when you join there's a lot of great things that come with us besides just you know hearing our beautiful voices and all that you get all kind of great things with it so you mm-hmm. know lots of exclusive and as mm-hmm. you guys who are on patreon know we're always building up to the next best thing so lots of stuff that you're not going to get and i promise not going to get unless you're a patreon subscriber so definitely subscribe check it out mm-hmm. and we're also looking for some some suggestions you know as always from our patrons what you would like to see you know what exclusiveness would you like you know we dropped uh a video talking about Thanos versus Killmonger, you know. Oh yes, yes. Know. The question proposed by our by our um, fearless engineer. leader, super engineer, brother Chris Sufar. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Thanos versus Killmonger. We talked about that on Patreon, so you can only get that at Patreon.com/slash for all nerds. Yes. Oh, and also, just in case people were like, "What's going on with your uh, your video quality?" We are buying the new camera soon. So <laughs> we finally got enough money to get a new camera soon, you guys. So be on the lookout for that. We'll show you all about it. Yeah, I, I, thought, I don't know if it's, you know, the camera quality, but, you know, we'll, <laughs> fig- we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out, you know, but make sure you peep that over at patreon.com slash for all nerds. But real quick right here, we do have to talk about aladdin which hit theaters this weekend and made more right. money than they expected I, I i didn't know that people are like lowballing this joint i was but hold wow on, hold on i was definitely i understand like it's like it's disney but i was definitely yeah lowballing it but hold on let me because i just want to real quick just bring up the box holy crap oh no that's the original aladdin <laughs> i was gonna be like <laughs> yeah no it made, it, made, it made half a billion no no um no. Aladdin no. over the holiday weekend. This past weekend was Memorial Day in the U.S. Over the holiday weekend, weekend it made 116. Wow. 
million eight hundred five thousand nine hundred sixty-two dollars. Wow. Okay, that that is more than I expected. Um, I I I expected. I did lowball it because, and and perhaps because I'm a millennial and. I have a certain level of nostalgia when it comes to things like Aladdin. And I had a lot of fear, anxiety, a lot of the adjectives that fit in that family of words about a live action reimagining of Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin's one of the greats when it comes, quote unquote, the greats when it comes to the Disney, quote unquote, classics. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're talking about things like Lion King, um, Beauty and the Beast, stuff like that. Um, the latter day Disney classics. The latter day like, yeah. Disney, right? The latter day Disney classics, the stuff like from the, like the resurgence the 90s. of Disney when Disney came back hard. Right. Yeah. Sure. Like I didn't I know. Mean, I never see. I never. I because of my age, I never knew Disney fell off. Oh man, I not not. It's still it's in between me, but like there was you got to remember Cinderella and them joints is like a long time ago. You know, like mm. um, like they had like years when they were making Herbie the Love Bug, what? and What's yeah, that? see. See, okay, <laughs> that, it's, that's before me too. But I, I remember like when I was a kid seeing that like on TV and being like, "What? Who? Who made this? You know, yeah. this is joint. What's it called? Splunk? I can't remember. But it's about the science who was. It's about. It's a live action film, and it's about a scientist who invents this like super bouncy rubber. Like that's the movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Disney had, you know, there was some, you know, rough years there, folks. You no, know. thank you. Yeah. But um, yeah, I saw a live action Aladdin movie and it was it was it was good. <laughs> I, it's so hard for me to say it was good because it it's just such a plain statement. But it was. And the reason why I say it like that is because I, I did not expect it to be good. I, I, I It was actually the quite opposite. And it was actually entertaining Um, on a scale of one to ten. I don't know if you want to do a scale of one to ten. Maybe I give it like a seven. Um, I will say that Aladdin, a live action film, definitely up their game when it came to trying to fix the traditional problems of movies of back in the day. So like the way that women don't have agency or the way that Disney princesses kind of are just there and they wait for stuff to happen to them. Um, They wait for the prince or whomever to come get them or save them or whatever the case may be. Um, They've, they've updated the story for Jasmine. Um, They're giving her a lot more agency in the film and, and, and it's, it's noticeable in a good way, not in a pandering way, but in a very good way. And Naomi Scott as Princess Jasmine was incredible. Um, she actually really made me appreciate her um, just as a person, as an actress. She had mm. a great aura. Um, I, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but what's his face as Aladdin was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm going to bring up his name in a second because I don't, again, I don't want to be disrespectful. But uh, Mena Masood, him, he, him as Aladdin was very cute. Um, I didn't understand what's going on with his wig, but you know, it was all right. Um, Will Smith is genie. Mm-hmm. He made it his own. He did. I was fearful. The other reason why I had anxiety was I was fearful that he would try to be his version of Robin Williams. No way. And that's a lot of the, and that's generally what a lot of the fear was. Like, obviously, genie's the one of the hugest part of Aladdin, if not like the main reason. And nothing compares to Robin Williams' portrayal. Like, he will always be his version of genie. I was afraid that Will Smith was going to try to be like try to emulate that mm-hmm. without without doing his own. Will actually did his own thing, and 
they flipped enough of the script of the story like most of the story is kind of line by line shot for shot almost the same but there are some nuances there i had mentioned more agency for jasmine obviously will smith being his own version of genie but it was still pretty good um the cg of him as genie was still a bit weird and a little bit scary kind of uh it, it reminded me a lot of times of you know in um power rangers who's the <laughs> who's the the guy who's in the middle in power rangers who's the guy zordon it was a little bit zordon in the way that like the way the cg looks to just the average viewer and maybe because i'm an adult but it was a little weird scary at times like this is kind of uncanny that's what it is it's kind of uncanny valley in a way that's not that that's very unappealing but then he's also will is also a likable person so mm-hmm. it kind of balanced it out. Um, but yeah, overall, it was it was entertaining. It was better than I thought. Um, I really think Disney did it a disservice to themselves by posting that trailer or that, that clip of um, them singing um, Prince Ali. Because uh, most of the, while some of the sentiment was okay, most of the sentiment was, oh, this is slow. This is boring. Will Smith is off key. It's completely different within the context of the film. Like, it, it does not feel the same. So I, I, I think, and this is kind of a call back to a lot of stuff that Chico Leo says about they show too much in trailers, they give away too much. Like, they really didn't need to even show that because it makes people think that sequence is boring and unappealing when it's actually the opposite. It's, wow. That, yeah. That's crazy because uh, this weekend I didn't get a chance to see Aladdin, but I actually watched the first, the original animated joint, I'd never seen it all the way through. You know, I'd seen most of it. I'd seen a lot of the Robin Williams, of course, all his jokes and everything, but I'd never seen it from beginning to end. So I watched it and obviously I loved it. You know, the fucking movie's incredible. It stands up to this day. Robin Williams, it's an iconic performance. There's obviously, you know, like we said, the issues with it, but those didn't even really bother me as much, I guess, because I just accepted it. One question that I did have for you, and I'm not sure if you could even answer it, is like, People talked about the orient and orientalism Ooh, of this movie. Oh, I damn. I get into that. Still bad? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually really glad you brought up that point. <laughs> that yeah. I mean, because um, you brought up before I could, because that was, was going to be my next comment. Um, the orientalism, it's still pretty pervasive in Aladdin. Uh... And again, while Guy Ritchie and the rest, they try to, as I said, with quotes, air quotes, fix it, they still don't. There's... I counted at least four to five different cultures that were just smashed together. (laughs) So between something being vaguely Middle Eastern, um, definitely Indian, possibly Pakistani, um, Chinese, which is interesting because I learned Yeah, but which is interesting because I learned that, I learned over the weekend that Aladdin is actually originally a Chinese story. Oh, yeah, it, you, you need to read about it. It's so wild how much Disney just flipped the shit on its head. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, they're, they're, they're just... That's racist! Right, yo. <laughs> and I had said this to you offline, but, but now we're on the show. Like, as a kid, you're not thinking about any of that stuff, necessarily. Mm-hmm. And when I say as a kid, I, I know that that's a wide-ranging age yep. a group. But when I was a kid, like, I think maybe I was... 10 or something i don't know around that age when i was when i first saw aladdin i didn't see it in the theaters i saw it on like dvd or some shit point is 
uh, I wasn't thinking about, oh, this is Oriental. I, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about, oh, they're mixing all these cultures because I, I didn't have anything to go by. I just was like, oh, this is a cool cartoon, whatever, whatever. As an adult, even though I still love this series, I now have the context behind everything. I now have the experience behind everything to apply to what I'm watching and make some critical analysis. And one of the critical analysis is it's still heavy on the Orientalism. Um, and also like within the casting itself, within some of the controversies that happened during it, like, I don't know if people remember, like when it was shooting, there was allegations of them browning up the cat, like the extras mm-hmm. and their response or their explanation was, well, which is true. Most of the cast in general, including extras are very diverse. And that was true. I saw people from all walks of life and as extras, but they was just like for certain things where it, 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 it needs to have someone specific like a stun or whatever and that person happens to be white they they use makeup or whatever to make them blend in more i was like mm. okay if that's what y'all say but long story short the audience is still there especially people who are of asian descent southeast asian wherever you're from you're gonna be like where is this movie? <laughs> like, hey. where, where is Aladdin? Not this movie, but where is Aladdin take place? Like, there, there's just a lot of cultures mixed in there. Um, and, and then presented to you as, again, the, the veritable Middle Eastern, which is not quite the case. So, um, yeah, for kids, they're probably not going to notice, depend, you know, depending on what their background is, and depending on how much information and knowledge they have about tropes like that. Um, for little, real little kids, I'm talking about under yeah. ten. They're not thinking of that. Um, but you will, you will. That is a thing. It's interesting though because uh, I haven't watched it yet, but a lot of people are talking about the second season of She's Got to Have It in this one oh, scene. God. Where the main oh, character, the black British stuff, oh, yeah, is God. arguing with a black British guy. It's so terrible. I mean, it, I didn't see the whole series, but Jesus. no, that scene is really bad. I will, you know, I normally don't like to call things out, but that was, that's one of those things we have to call out. Cause that's a really bad scene. And what makes it even more hilarious is the fact that the guy's name is Olu, which indicates he's from Nigeria, Nigeria right. but he's wearing clothes that are from Ghana. And it's, you know, and this, and this is the same thing with Aladdin. Like, the Middle East, you know, is not a country, folks. You know, it's made up of many <laughs> different countries. You know, there's not... The Middle East. <laughs> yeah, there's not one country there. And the, and the cultures are so crazy different. So like, different. Like, you know, Lebanese people are so different from people from, like, Dubai, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia are different from them, you know, Morocco. All these places are completely different regions with their own cultures, languages, all kind of different stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of a problem. And I'm I'm not surprised. I'm sad to see that they haven't really fixed it. But I knew that that was something that was to be an issue. Yeah. One last question I do have, and I guess this is kind of a spoiler for a, what, 30-something-year-old movie now. But... <laughs> How do they handle the evil genie when when Will flips evil at the end? Do they do that? Like Will doesn't how, flip evil at the end. What you mean? Well, when my man gets control genie of the yeah of genie and end. genie flips evil, do they? Genie never it, flipped evil. He just do what he was. He's a genie. He has. To I know. Yeah, but master. but but when he's the evil menacing form, does he look dope? Does Will, do they do a dope evil? I you know, I, if I answer that, that's going to really spoil things for people so i mean the movie's 30 years old we know that the man and you the know, cartoon turns- the cartoon doesn't want well, the reason why i'm saying this is because the cartoon does it one way and the movie doesn't another ah uh, okay all right cool Compl- so that's why i said generally like 
if you just looked at this movie from a whole world perspective, I would say 85 to 90% of the movie is what you expected it because it's based generally mm-hmm. direct from the cartoon. But there are some liberties taken as well and changes that have been taken. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah. I'm glad to see it made the money, you know, and that people were proven wrong because there were definitely a lot of, you know, uh, us included. I, remember, I was a naysayer for sure. Yeah, I remember being, you know, I got to see a lot of that early. You know, Disney showed me a lot of that early and I, I told them straight up like, you know, <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know, you know. Uh, like, I was like, uh, and I like Guy Ritchie, but I just wasn't sure that this was the movie for him. But you know, I, I still think, honestly, even after seeing the movie, even though I enjoyed it, I still think it's bizarre that Guy Ritchie was Yo, so but Does it but, have like but, those weird ass camera angles when it like zooms in on but, shit and like follows people in the weird thing, like w- quick cuts and stuff? Does he do all? Does he use do his Guy Ritchie? <laughs> Like his zoom ins. I mean, it's not snatch. Like it's not. Yeah. Like, it's not like that. Like honestly, it still felt like a Disney movie. Even okay. though, like in the back of my head, I was like, "Yo, this is still Guy Ritchie." It still, mm-hmm. it still felt like a Disney movie at the end of the day. And maybe that's because they they generally stuck to most of the main things. Yep. And they they didn't re- again slight deviations, but generally pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. And the difference, obviously, and the difference, and I want to make that point, the difference with Will Smith being Genie is not nearly as bad as people had thought it would be. Like, it's just, he's his own version of Genie. Now, whether you're going to be a hater and be like, well, he's not Robin Williams, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, no, because he can't be. And I'm glad to see that he didn't try and do that manic energy that Robin does, because that's just. Right. I mean, this it's it's there, but it's, yeah. it's, it's Will's version of it. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued now. I really want to see what Will's version is. I really. <laughs> it's it's different. Yeah. Like I said, the CGI is a little scary, but. I, I, I see. I liked how he looked. It was weird, but uh, no, that's no, no, why no, I no. liked it. That trailer is different from like. 15 to 20 minutes of seeing him in that scene. Yeah, I feel it's like, you. oh, okay, this is not <laughs> what I really want to see. But again, this is me and the way that I view CG and, again, the, the whole uncanny valley effect. Other people yeah. may not have a problem. The kids who I was in there with, because I went in, in the daytime, mm-hmm. and this one girl next to me was just hollering, laughing, and, like, it was the best thing in the world. Every time we'll open her, his mouth. So, there like, you go. Yeah, maybe uh, as an adult, you know, I'm just not feeling it on that level. The kids loved it. All the kids were screaming, having a great time. So whatever. Amazing. I can't wait. And that that's definitely always my indication. If the kids love it, hey, they love you know, it. Good to go. That's at least, all at least in my theater, they they was fucking all over it. Nice. And you know what else the kids love? One of my favorite segments on the show. The geek would be asked questions. The guac is extra. You know, that sounded like we planned that segue right there, like or like edited that in, but it was actually just natural, folks. If it was natural, you should have just left it alone and let it be natural. I know, but you know, I gotta <laughs> reveal the secret sometimes. This is like that HBO documentary. It's Behind like I'm the curtain. Yeah, I didn't need to know that. You know, Look I didn't need I did to know this. about the extra slides. Look you know? how I made an elephant disappear. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But yes, this is a geek when he asks questions. The guac is extra. Every time I think about elements now, I mean elephants, not elements, elements. Think of Cersei? Yes, every time <laughs> now. It's like I think of elephants, Where Cersei. Because yeah. she was so adamant about these fuck-ass elephants. And it's just like, girl, first of all, the Golden Company ain't worth shit. But anyway, this is a Castle Black conversation. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. leave that. But girl, yeah. the elephants? Them elephants wouldn't have helped on that one, boy. You know, that would have been some dead-ass elephants. But anyway, this is... My lady. 
<laughs> this is a equally asked question segment, not the elephant segment, where we answer any and all questions that you send in to contact at forallnerds.com or hit us on the Twitter or Instagram at forallnerds. I don't think I mentioned those this episode yet, so make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at forallnerds, and you can send their questions in if you're one of the Patreons, uh, patrons at patreon.com. You can send in a question there. If you're a certain tier, that is. You can ask anything. Shout out to the homie King Wizard who said that we'd be playing people on these questions, especially <laughs> when they asked. And he's one of the patrons, you know, so I got to, you know. Played? No, I he mean, he got played. He felt he got played because he asked, how did I get into the Writers Guild of America? And we couldn't. And as I said on Twitter today, and I'll reiterate right here, I cannot directly answer that question. And not only that, it's kind of a way that you can't imitate. So it doesn't help for me to tell you how I got in because that's not going to get you in. What I will say, like I always say, is if anyone is an aspiring writer and would like to, you know, get a little further in their career, I would love to do anything I can to help you if I can. So, you know, if you are one of those people, hit me up at DJ Ben Amin and we'll talk about it. But how I got in, it's just it's pretty much impossible for someone else to duplicate. It did involve a lot of years of work, though. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of years with no checks. You know? Broke. 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 It smells like broken here. (laughs) Smell like straight bitch in here. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I can't really reveal that because it involves, you know, a lot of trade secrets and magic and other things that I just can't put out there into the universe. So, you know. So we'll answer other questions. Yes, we will answer other questions. And what do we have up first tonight? The first question is an amazing question. It comes from Rob J. They write, Pokemon or Digimon? Wow. Love the show. Uh, First of all, thank you for the kudos. And that, again, amazing question. How is that amazing? It's because, see, you're not a fan. No. You're not a fan. That's an amazing question. I really want to see the Pokemon, the Pikachu movie. but For someone who literally grew up on Pokemon and Digimon and all the Mons, that's Mm -hmm. important, okay? If we're talking about, at least first season Pokemon, if we're talking about in terms of seriousness, Mm -hmm. and not to say that Pokemon can't die, but when we're talking about like niggas catching the L, the bad one as Ben I mean would say, Digimon was that bitch because Digimon was very, very serious about how shit worked. Um, mm. Digimon, just to give you a quick overview, Ben, it's, it's basically like the more serious version of Pokemon, I guess, uh, more serious in the, in the terms of the the Digimon, the, the animals or the monsters. Is it the same type of thing, though, where these dudes are running around like catching them in balls Kind of, kind of not. So okay. the Digimon, you know, they're, they're these monsters that evolve and do all these other things. But they don't. Follow, they don't. They aren't carried around in pokeballs. They walk with their person, and the way and they talk English. Like they don't say their names. You know, Pika, Pikachu, and all that shit. No, 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 no. They talk regular ass fucking English. And all of them are not animals. Some of them are like look like angels. Some of them look like dinosaurs. Some of them look like computers. Like they all is all over the fucking place. Um, whereas Pokemon more or less generally look like either animals or inanimate objects. I have so many questions, but keep it's going. a lot of questions. Um, yeah. but yeah, just, just, and I'm ta- and I'm, I'm saying this from my kitty mind, my kitty, um, um, recollection that Digimon was a much more, uh, I guess, serious esque show where niggas was dying, 
people's lives was on the line, all that shit. Not that Pokemon wasn't, but it was just more cartoony. Who is the original? As far, okay, this has always been an argument, but I'm pretty sure Pokemon was first. Mm-hmm. Hold on, Pokemon versus Digimon came first. Let's let's look this up. Um, Why are you looking that up? I have so many questions. Pokemon about was Pokemon. The game was first. Uh, Pokemon was a game before cartoon. It was both, but Pokemon the game came out in '96. Digimon the game came out in '97. And then I'm going to say Pokemon came out first. If someone knows better than me, then please speak up. But I'm fairly certain Pokemon came first. That's so wild. Like, what is the Mon? That's, that's my Mon- is, Mon- monster. Monster. Mon okay, is short yeah. for monster. So Digi, Digital Monster, Poke, Pokemon, Pocket Monster. Pokemon, it's roughly translated to English as Pocket Monster. Pause. Um, <laughs> you didn't need to see. That's my fault for falling into that one and for forgetting that you're immature. I forgot. I have so many questions though. Like really, I I know this has been debated or talked about before, but are they slaves? Like, what is up with these dudes who are running around <sighs> catching these monsters and it's and enforcing a, them to do battle? They're not necessarily trainers in pokemon force them to do battles some are just like part of it some of the pokemon are in i don't want to say cahoots but they're with the shits they're psychopaths no god it's a lot to it but anyway (laughs) i never really answered the question i was just talking about what it was long story short i i i have more sentimental value behind pokemon so pokemon is ash a colonizer ash is a fucked up 10 year old Wow. He is 10, by the way. The Pokemon trainers start that nigga out look like he's like 80. Like 55, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, to be 10. I mean, like, now he's like 80, but when they start out, they're 10. Or around that age, you know, 10 pre-teens, That nigga teens. looked mad grown for 10, yo. That, in any of the images I've ever seen of him, I would, they, I would they think do. teen. I but would think I could, teen at least. I like. distinctly remember, because in the game and in the show, like when his... At some point, they mention his age when his mom's like, all right, see you later. You know, good luck on your Pokemon adventure. And it's like, this nigga is 10 years old and is about to get electrocuted by Pikachu and shit like that. So, But yeah, to answer the question, uh, for sentimental reasons, I say Pokemon. I still have all my Pokemon cards. They're worth a lot of money. But I mean, obviously, you probably don't have an answer to this. Nah, but um, I'm going to go with Pokemon just because... You know, like in popularity, I think they crushed out Digimon. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and y'all it, can blow up my mentions, but I don't care. Like, no, it did. Yeah. It, I mean, obviously, Pokemon's still around. Have you ever heard a peep of Digimon in the last Ooh. five, ten years? No. No. Not to say it's not there, but who's who's checking for that? And also, it, Detective Pikachu was out recently, which was also a pretty decent movie. Um, yeah, I'll talk about that rest of that stuff later. Pretty decent? Wow. All right. It was pretty oh. decent. It was, pretty it, was it was very, it was very more kiddie than I thought. And they mm. didn't, they just repeat. And unfortunately I thought I was going to see a lot of diversity in the amount of Pokemon I saw. They was pretty much the same 10 recycled over and over, ah, okay. including the ones I had no idea who they were. But, uh, yeah. So that's the answer from me. That's the answer from Ben. I mean, Rob J. Thank you for the question. I feel like this is a GoBots versus Transformers situation. It, I mean, in, in many ways, it is. Even yeah. though I don't know what GoBots is. In many Nobody ways, does. There's the point. <laughs> in many ways, it is. It's just, it's kind of around the same type of genre, the same general idea with, with very specific nuances. GoBots was like when you asked your parents for a Transformers and they brought home GoBots. Oh, that's the No Frills version? Yeah. Oh, is it? Well, is see, it? Digimon wasn't no No Frills Pokemon. It was just different. Yeah, I mean, some people argued that GoBots was just different, but let's be for real. Well. Yeah, <laughs> you know, some people did make that argument. Yeah, uh, and also, at least when I was coming up, Digimon was on Fox and Pokemon was 
was on WB. Okay. Um, the next question comes from Excel Joel, which they write, have y'all seen the independent Static Shock short film released on YouTube a couple weeks back? If so, thoughts? What other characters do you think might benefit from the indie treatment? I have not seen this, but I'm definitely intrigued. I love a well-done fan film. Like, I'm a huge fan of them. I think everyone who signed that petition should have got together and put a dollar where their mouth was, and they would have $500,000, and they could have remade a Game of Thrones <laughs> fan film real I mean, Ill. They couldn't remake a frame at $500,000. I mean, not, not, not for, not, no, but not of, like, the Game of Thrones quality, but they oh, could have okay. done a, a solid fan film for, five, you know, half a mil. Oh, yeah, they, you're right, you're right. You're they right. could have done a solid fan film. They could be doing this shit off of a dollar. So, um, yeah, no, I haven't seen Static Shock, but I am intrigued because Static and the whole Milestone universe, I call them Static because I know from the comic, is one of my favorites. I wish they got more love. The, the most love that they've ever gotten is like in Justice League and the mm. uh, Young Justice joints. So, and that's animated. So, um, right. yeah, no, I haven't seen this. And any character, man, there's so many that I've seen that have been so ill. There was a Venom one with um who the hell was playing venom uh it wasn't uh dude from breaking bad damn i can't remember but it was like it was a dude he would not expect to play eddie brock you know it was like a guy who's done roles you know multiple roles and he's doing eddie brock and it was a black and white venom joint and it was ill like i'm gonna look that up while you um answer Uh, answer. yeah yep um I have not seen the independent short film and thank you for flagging it for us. We'll definitely take a look. I've just from a personal level, I've always been a huge static shock animated fan. Always loved Virgil. Always loved the fact that you saw a young black kid. You always saw his family. Um, Mm -hmm. Like that was huge for me because I don't recall any superheroes that one were young two black and that you saw their family involved. Like, Virgil always got his pop stand, other people around. So, uh, you know, it wasn't just, like, this, this tragic hero. Like, it, it was like he had a, a family life. And he had people to talk to and all sorts of stuff. And, yeah, he went through trials and tribulations. But he was a regular kid, more or less. Um, so, again, as a character, as an animated series, I've always loved it. Always, you know, watched it to the day that they took it off air. Um, as far as what other characters I think might benefit from indie treatment, maybe all the characters that the mainstream always ignores. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, prime example, um, Storm. Um, there was, uh, a, I don't know how many years back that is, but um, Maya Glick, a few years, a couple, maybe two mm. years back, three years yep. back, she did her Rain fan film, yes. which was Absolutely. And I was actually one of the backers for a Kickstarter. Absolutely incredible to be a fan film. And it showed so much of the range of Storm more than all of the X-Men movies combined. Mm-hmm. And while that's a low bar to cross anyway, uh, yeah. thanks Fox. But while that was a low bar to cross anyway, um, still she put her all, not just into her love of the character, but to being truthful to the character. And she, and she portrayed the, the punk version. Mm-hmm. Well, I call it the punk Mohawk version. Storm. Mohawk Storm. Yes. Um, 23 minute original short film. Absolutely stunning. Incredible. Like she really put a lot of work into it. And honestly, generally, most of the fan films I see, whether they're trying to be funny or they're trying to be serious, are sometimes better by far than the the 
you know the the quote unquote real productions. Um, that shit, that Sonic fan film was better than that shit we saw Ouch. a few weeks back. So I mean, it, it's just I just feel like to your point, if certain creatives have enough time and money to create these things, they could do worlds better than these big time places. Definitely. And yeah, I think, you know, anything that deserves a fan film treatment, though, um, Venom movie I was talking about before stars Ryan Quantin, who I knew at the time from True Blood. He's done a lot of oh, other stuff. Oh, he's Suki's brother. Yeah, Suki's brother from True Blood. Yeah, and Jason he, Stackhouse. Yes, yes, Jason Stackhouse. He's done mad. Ass. I'm looking at his IMDb. He's done mad stuff since then. Props to him because I really liked him as uh, Jason. And he's, he's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid, but he, you know, he killed it. And uh, Venom fan film is called Venom Truth and Journalism, and it's well worth checking out. It's like 13 minutes, just an ill movie, black and white, and it's about him as Eddie Brock. But then when he brings out the Venom towards the end of the movie, it's sick. It's very well done. Oh, I do remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. It was a few years ago, right? Yeah, just a few yeah. years ago. Just like when True Blood was popping. So I was like, yes. oh, shit, this dude's doing this too? Like, it was wild. And this was around the time when they did the Punisher fan film with uh, Thomas Jane. They continued... You know, Thomas Jane's role as the Punisher. Mm. There was also a, I mean, there was so many. There was like Batman versus the Predator. I remember back then that was dope. One of my favorites, I was trying to look for it right now, is this Boba Fett joint where it was like Boba Fett as um, Crocodile Hunter. Mm. Oh my God, it was Mm. hilarious. Like, it was so funny. Like, it was Boba Fett doing like the whole, you know, Crocodile Hunter. Now we're in the wilderness and we see this. Are you serious? Yo, it was so crazy. It was comedy complete comedy and then there's this other one that i think they turned into a series from star wars that was called um troops that was like cops but it followed the stormtroopers what yes (laughs) it's so so cool and see that's why i like indies it's so imaginative and that one was so hilarious i think they made a series but in the first one of the one i saw was the stormtroopers end up at uh loot's um, uncle, what is it, Uncle Beru or whatever, I can't remember the name, his uncle who he was raised with in the first movie. They uncle end up at Charles? the crib. I don't know. Yeah, well, in the movie, Luke comes back and their bodies are burned and, you know, you know the Empire did it. Right. But in this short, they show what happened there and it's like the troops arrive because of domestic disturbance because Luke's uncle is beating his aunt while Luke isn't there. Mm-hmm. And so while trying to break it up, I think his uncle pulls out a gun and so they blast him so it wasn't about like the whole empire coming for luke or anything i mean it's all a joke you know but it was so hilarious because it's like cops and troops and everything so anything like you said it's very imaginative you know it's the limits of your imagination i mean anything i think benefits and i'm definitely going to check out the static joint okay i'm definitely checking out and like i said lots of times indie treatment just ends up better uh, you know for many different considerations for many different reasons but you know lots of it just tends to be because they want to be true to the elements of the character mm-hmm. they're not necessarily there for profit they're they're there not constrained some... by a studio they're telling cons- you right you know that's something like when people talk about the sonic movie and you know getting mad at it and everyone's like oh, da, da, da. but you gotta understand like what's most effed up about it was the digital artists and you know people who did the work yeah. probably came up with a dope ass Sonic, took it up the ladder, and someone up was the like, ladder was no. like, "No, 
That's actually almost exactly what happened. Yeah, that's what that's usually what happens in these productions because the people who are really behind it, who are sitting there, you think they want to animate some shit that they know is not gonna, you know, they gotta put hours upon hours. And that was the other problem. I'm glad they pushed Sonic back because I was really feeling bad for these people because everyone's like, yo, redo it, redo it. And then they're like, we're gonna redo it. But that means these graphic designers had to do it overtime, overtime in a field that is already like disturbing. When you're at the lowest level of CGI, you're basically a slave working, just praying to get to the next level mm. because you're not getting paid damn near nothing for the hours you're in. And it's like, you know, crushing work. You know, imagine spending eight hours a day sitting there animating one second of film and just, and then you finally get it done and, you know, it goes to the internet and people are like, well, go back and do that again. Well, when you say it like that, Ben, I feel like an asshole. But, <laughs> but, but, but I know I, I get you. And, and that's actually a good point to make that, you know, these, the, the artists themselves aren't necessarily the people who are having to say so in this. Mm, they're, never. They're, they're, they're following protocol. And, and to your point, someone might've been like, Oh, look at this great thing I did. And then some, someone up top was like, nah, B, we want him with teeth. Mm-hmm. And here we are. And you can't, and it's like, you know, you don't understand why, but, you know, then they test it and teeth work. And it's all, you know, it's Hollywood. It's this long, whole process to get anything done. And that's why independent films like the static movie, because who knows if we'll ever see a static movie, just because the rights are tied up. There's all kind of craziness with that. So, and then, like you said, people have real love for these and they don't have to answer to someone so they can just make it and it can be dope. So that's actually a question I want to shoot out to the fan fam out there. If you know of a dope fan film that we didn't mention right here, let us know, because I'm always interested in seeing some ill shit like this because it doesn't have to, you know, deal with anything. And also, I want to give a quick shout out before we get to the next question to Doom Patrol which is one of the illest TV shows out right now. And I think it's a prime example of, I don't know how the fuck this shit got made and how someone agreed to it because it's so true to the utter insanity that is Doom Patrol as a comic book. And I can't believe they took that and put it on screen. It's, oh my God, y'all. You keep talking about it. Yo, between this and Titans and now what Swamp Thing is looking like, like DC, I've heard really good things from Swamp Thing, and I'm yo, not I've, interested. I've, I've heard so many good things. I'm not that big a fan of the comic, but I know how ill the comic is. And after I saw Doom Patrol, which was, I was a huge fan of that comic. So after I saw how well they translated Doom Patrol and how well done Titans was, I'm definitely hyped for Swamp Thing. And I think DC got, you know, they got something on their hands right now. Like, yeah, and then Young Justice is about to come back. So you know, they, they can't do movies, but they can do TV. Yeah, they're killing it. I mean, killing it. It's just like, the whole situation with the animation. They can do animation very well. But. Yep. <laughs> but the movie, I mean, you know, but they're getting it back together with the movies. I really like Shazam, and I really like Aquaman. Shazam was, Shazam was probably their best feature. To yeah, yeah. Just their best. And I know people yeah. say, what about Wonder Woman? It was probably their best feature to date. Yeah, overall. I, overall. I really love Wonder Woman, but I felt like the third act was kind of sus, and, you know, yeah. it had its other moments, but... Yeah, Shazam was like solid straight throughout. Yep. And Wonder Woman 2, yo, what's uh, the director, Patty Jenkins, would just talk about how she's mad now that they pushed it back. Because mm. she's like, yo, what I've, you know, when I finally got to see the final cut, she's like, yo, I, I wish it could drop right now. Damn. Yeah, so. She, well, you know, s- soon come, Patty. Soon, soon come. come. That That's big words, but we'll see. I'm hoping. You know, she hopefully got that it's bag. Served- 
Yeah, you know, it's like her Winter Soldier might be, you know, the first Captain America was good, Ooh. and then Winter Soldier was like, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so this could be that. You know, you never know. We shall see. We shall see. Um, next question comes from Live Poet Society. I hope I said that. It wasn't Live Poet. But Live Poet Society, a.k.a. Flowers for Apes. They write, do you think a Disney Marvel version of Cyclops would do the character justice? And why have X-Men movies found it so hard to sell a tactics master with laser eyes even in modern comics his characterization feels terrible phoenix five was trash sincerely confused cyclops fan um um, um I, uh mm. yeah I, <laughs> um hmm. okay do you want you want to go first or you want me to go first uh well one thing i want to say first is i don't even though Cyclops is a tactics master, I think that would be the wrong way to go about portraying his character. I think the Cyclops that I grew up identifying with the most was a man who wished he didn't have this shit. You know, like a man who had the immense power to destroy anything he looked at. Mm -hmm. And the responsibilities that that came with and the power that came with. Like, one of my favorite moments as a kid and favorite, like, just moments and comments ever is this one issue of uh, X-Men when Cyclops is proposing to Madeline Pryor, the woman who looks like Jean Grey, who he marries and all kind of wild shit happens simp. to afterwards. Yeah. Wait, simp, you said? Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, you know, my Scott, man, Scott you know, is such a simp, but continue. He's such a simp, definitely. But it was such a touching moment to him, me because he's sitting there and he's talking to her and he finally reveals that he's a mutant and he takes this quarter out of his pocket and flips it into the air and then lifts his, you know, glasses just a tiniest bit and shoots a hole straight through this quarter. Mm -hmm. And then it lands back in his hand. He's like, look, this is the power I have and this is what I have to keep under control all the time. You know, and there's nothing I can ever right. do about it other than, you know, keep utter control over this. And right. so that's the Cyclops I love. And I mean, dog, let's just be straight up. You know, he's not, he never was as um, popular as Wolverine. So there's no effing way that they're going to, you know, focus on Cyclops' this dork. Yeah. Like, let's be for real. Well, they're not going to focus on Cyclops because he's a simp. I mean, uh. at, he, he is. Now, I agree with you that I, I, I like the more humanism, humanized version of him, which is, you know, great power, great responsibility type thing. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, you, you literally have something. He, he has something similar to what goes on with Rogue, where you have a power that can kill someone, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the slightest touch or the slightest look, and you don't necessarily mean it. And having that power, I mean, you've had th that level of power since you were a fucking kid. Yeah. So that, and, and as a kid, you're already, like, you're not fully developed mentally or emotionally and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So imagine on top of... Just imagine common, uh, uh, current day, all of the foolishness that comes along with being a uh, youth and all everything you got to go through, social media, people, the, the, the general growing pains and all that. And on top of that, you have a superpower that can kill someone if you sneeze wrong. Mm. <laughs> so in that vein, I think that's amazing. Um, would Disney Marvel version of Cyclops do the character justice? I think absolutely. Disney yeah. Marvel has... I'm trying to think of one that has disappointed me, maybe, but I, I just don't recall a characterization. Well, Storm, no, that's Fox. Uh, I don't think a, there's no characterization of a character thus far that we've actually seen in, in full on screen that maybe go, oh. You didn't like Iron Man three though. 
That's that's not uh, based on one character though. You did, oh, so the Mandarin that was. I just didn't like that story. I didn't like. Oh, okay. That. I didn't yeah. like the movie overall, but I feel I, you. But I, the Mandarin I, flipped didn't bother you. I also didn't have much background on the Mandarin, True. so it yeah. didn't it didn't feel, do anything bad or good for me. Um, but no, I, I, Disney has never given me a reason that uh, the characterization of one of their characterization of a, of of a superhero or otherwise is going to be whack. So I just think. Almost anything they touch is, turns to gold. So I think that they will they will treat this Cyclops version with with care and dignity, um, and perhaps go the route that Ben Amin is noting. Um, I, I think that probably is probably the better route. Um, I don't know. I haven't read Phoenix Five, so I don't know what his current characterization is. Uh, I think he's alive again. He he died for a while, and then he came back. Like most of the X-Men, they all died. The Phoenix Five thing was when he gained the powers of the Phoenix Force during X-Men uh, versus Avengers. I thought that was just goofy in itself, uh, the whole, like, like Colossus got Phoenix powers. I think it was why? goofy. I, I think Namor had I Phoenix mean, powers. I mean, there's a very specific reason why Jean Grey got those powers. It wasn't uh, like... yeah. It wasn't like, I don't even want to, you know, I'm not even going to disparage another character. All I'm saying is, is just like certain things that happen to characters or are part of their stories. It's for like a very specific reason. It's not necessarily yep. great to spread it to other people. Um, yeah, well, Namor yeah. did it. And that's when Namor actually uh, destroyed Wakanda. That's oh, the, okay. Yeah, that's how he was able to destroy Wakanda because he had the powers of the Phoenix. And so it was a cool storyline, but I thought that was weird. I liked uh, Cyclops when they made him like this ultra Malcolm X type dude when he had the X, when he went hardcore, you know, he had like the X over his head. But I know a lot of people don't really like that. Like I say, my favorite Cyclops, I can't lie, is the simp. Because growing up, I was a simp. And so I fully identified with a simp like Cyclops. You know, I like Cyclops was my favorite X-Man. I tell people that all the time. Wow. His relationship with Jean Grey, like I love that. Wow. Because, wow. I, you know, I was that simp. What can I say? I, I will not lie, you know. I, more power to you for being truthful to yourself. Facts. Uh, that... I, the Cyclops I know is based on the animation, every animation, every iteration of the animation. Mm-hmm. And as much as uh, uh, Flowers for Apes does not like, <laughs> does not like Cyclops characterization throughout the Fox um, uh, uh, empire, um, to me, it was kind of pretty close to what they, yeah, my it's fa- pretty close to the cartoons. Like, I, he's I've, a sip and he's annoying. Yeah, and I loved it. Like, I remember in the very first one when Wolverine was like, you're a dick. And he's yeah. like, okay, it's you. That was, that was one of my favorite was, moments of the film. To me, that was on brand. Yeah, Cyclops is a dick. And then the other, I love the one, I'm not sure if that's first class, when he's younger and he's in the school, or that's, that's the one after first class, when they've established the school and they get Cyclops from high school and he like blows up his high school but with his beams. But isn't that his brother, though, who has the, the lasers on his chest? That's not... No, Havoc brings not... him to the school. Havoc, oh, is, oh, Havoc. Havoc is in first class. And then in the next one, Havoc brings Cyclops to school and they take him out on the lawn and he like blasts Professor X's favorite tree. And that's when he meets Jean Grey, when Sansa's playing Jean Grey and all that. And those are the, you know, that, yeah, I like that version, you I can't lie. The James Martin was just, I, but I felt like they didn't give James a lot to do either. They didn't, but he was, a, he, for what he got, he was good. Oh, yeah, he was good. But James Martin yeah. is also a good actor in general. Yes, yeah, and he, and he got that dick, stiff, 
like always, you know, being just that Cyclops. He has such power. Because he's a yeah. He's a no. I'm sorry. Like again, I, I feel you, but I he's don't. stunted. Like, <laughs> I feel he's, you, he's, but I don't. Flowers for apes. Like yeah. The way he's been portrayed, even though it hasn't been enough, is is still pretty true to what I know about him. Me now, too. Now, obviously, there there's more nuances than that. I mean, brought up his points, which would be really cool to flesh out the character more. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's also because I've never been a huge Cyclops fan, where I I never saw the main issue. Like the real love story between him and Jean Grey leading into Dark Phoenix, but you had like that's my problem with the new movie coming out. I felt like that love story hasn't been done well enough. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, you don't. Yeah, it's just because, like oh, I love you, Jean. It's yeah. like why are you obsessed with her? Exactly. No, because the love story in the comics is so dope. It's deeper. You know, it's like and it's, it's the fact that he, you know, Jean sees who he really is. Jean yeah. sees past this guy who has to hide and stay. You know inside himself all the time she can read his mind so she sees everything that he really is and there's this moment in the comments when she has the phoenix force and she's like yo take off your glasses and she holds his eye beams in check right he takes them I off do, i do and that shit is fucking like that fun of the most you know it's like crushing you know she's like fun to see the color of your eyes and it's like, oh, I mean, you the, know. And the, because the cartoon, the Fox cartoon was derived from the comics, mm-hmm. like you do, even at as a young age, you still get that understanding and sense of where, like, how deep the love goes. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so there's more reason behind it, and you, and then the whole love triangle with Wolverine, like, it's 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 a real thing. The movies did not express that well. No, and then I mean. I doubt they ever expressed the later stuff when Jean's dead and Scott is sleeping with Emma Frost and she's uh, dressing up as Jean in his mind. It got really bad. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it though. That you know so Scott and evil. I love Scott and Emma too. Scott and Emma is ooh that that's when it got you know Scott showed that freaking side like yeah. Yo, so yeah. emo. Uh, yeah. And the last question comes from Whisper Naked Shadow at Whisper NK Shadow. If I haven't seen all the Marvel movies in order, can I jump into one and still know what's going on? That depends on which one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, straight up and down. That depends on which one. Um, you Well, first, technically speaking, the Marvel movies aren't necessarily shown in order. Like, if you go online and look up, um, I forgot who, did, maybe Screen Rant or a few other people, they've actually, just in chronological order, um, the movie should be seen in a certain like if you want to see it as the story actually unfolds in in mm-hmm. what would be considered chronological order, the release the the real life releases are not in order. No. You actually have to mix some stuff a little bit. Um, so that whole the 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 understanding of in order it's a little convoluted. Um, can you jump into one and tell what's going on? The early stuff, obviously. Um, Iron Man's, of course, all the all the origin stuff you can jump into, all the yeah. origin movies you can jump into, and not and not really have any backstory on the others and be fine. Yep. Obviously, the later you get into the, the this first ten year span of the MCU, the more you're gonna be like, okay, why is this significant that Groot is you know a little you know is a little tiny baby versus a grown tree mm-hmm. like it, it like if you haven't seen the reasoning about how he got there and who that is and that's not even really the group you know like and if you don't have that background then you're gonna miss it is it going to potentially ruin your experience something like that no but it does prevent you prevent the enhanced experience i will say that mm-hmm. 
And like I saw people pointed out during Endgame, which we can now talk freely about, obviously, there's a moment when the Wasp and Ant-Man are about to pull a move and the Wasp turns to Captain America or on the radio or whatever. And she's like, we got this cap. And that ties back to a moment in Ant-Man and the Wasp when she's calling him out, when she when the Wasp was calling Ant-Man mm. out and saying, you're calling him Cap? And right. Like, yeah, you know, Cap. Captain America, Cap. That's my boy, you yeah, know? That's my homie. <laughs> and so when she calls him Cap and then Ant-Man turns and looks at her and smiles, you know, it's that great moment that only matters if you've seen that movie prior. But right. like, like, think of it like this. Like, you come, you're a new person like you you, you're new to a school and you come into a group of friends a a couple of those friends already known each other since high school Mm. and so they've developed relationships they've gone through experiences they have inside jokes it's all sorts of stuff you're the newbie so you don't have all that background experience with them does that mean you're not going to have a great relationship or build a great relationship no but does Mm -hmm. that mean you may not have the same type of relationship or there's going to be things that go over your head you're going to miss yes Yes, but if you haven't seen all of the Marvel movies and you want to jump in, I would just say, you know, like if you've got the time, start at the beginning, skip door two. Oh. If, <laughs> I mean, if you Honestly, don't... even with Endgame, I could still say you can skip Dark World. Yeah. You still can. I still, yeah, I still feel that. Um. Well, no, I don't, damn, yeah. Endgame it doesn't did... matter. Like, I know they, they, they yeah. pulled some of Dark World in it, but honestly you've never seen i barely remember that fuck ass movie and it didn't matter yeah so and if not if you don't have the time i would say i i I would think it'd be very interesting and i would like to hear how you you know feel if you just started with infinity war and then whoa whoa. and then watch endgame and then go from there wow that's wow that's bold yeah, I mean, I would like to see how someone, you know, if someone had never seen any of them and just started right there, I would like to see what their, you know, experience would be like. Because that would be interesting. Because I think Infinity bold. War kind of holds up on its own, but I think some stuff might be a little bit difficult to follow. And it, there's not going to be as much emotional impact, and but th- I think you'll still feel it. That's 98% of MCU movies, the emotional impact. And not just for people who know about the comic of the characters. Mm-mm. The way it's written, the way yeah. the characters interact, the, the connections the, the connections. It's all of it is emotional, generally mm-hmm. speaking. So if you don't have an emotional attachment, it's not going to hit the same. And I think this is some, it's so unique to the MCU right now, too, is the fact that we've had people like Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man for 10 years, over 10 years now. And because of that, you get to see this actor just embody this character that you've never seen before except on, you know, long-running TV shows. But there's no long-running TV shows where the characters are interacting with the cast of another long-running TV show. And that's basically what we have now with these movies because you've had these movies, even like Guardians of the Galaxy, which only had two movies so far, that's still like damn near six hours of these actors just in that movie alone. So then you get to see them meet an actor who's been playing Iron Man for six hours himself, you know, Mm -hmm. plus all these years of just embodying the characters in their day-to-day, you know, getting to know the characters more and more, et cetera. So it's such a unique experience. Mm -hmm. So I think you're kind of doing yourself a disservice to not at least watch, you know, like start with Iron Man. If you don't enjoy it, then move on. But I would definitely say start with Iron Man and, you know, see where you go from there. Yeah, agreed. 
That's literally the entry point. You got to yeah. start there. Yeah. It's also going to be interesting to see how they do from now on, though. Like, will people, the, people be able to jump on, let's say, with Spider-Man Far From Home? Or even, not even that, because that's supposed to still wrap up phase three. Mm-hmm. So whatever comes next. Will people be able to jump on from there? Well, if what's next starts with stuff like Captain Marvel, then yeah. Because we were introduced to her, but you don't know much about her, at least from the MCU perspective. Mm-hmm. So anybody could jump in on that. Yeah, anyone could definitely jump in on Captain Marvel. But like, there's so much stuff that happened in Endgame. You know, the five-year jump, people being dusted and returning. like All right. this type of things. are. Will they... They're not going to be able to explain that in every movie going forward. You know, they're not going to be like, previously, right. this happened. Right. And also, in real life, the Fox merge or acquisition, like, that has opened the door to mm-hmm. introduction to so many other characters. So. Yeah. So, yeah. I think they're going to have to make it where, I mean, even though they're going to have to reference this stuff in some way, I think they're also going to make it. And I think they've done a great job of that already. But I think the new jump on point will be whatever comes after Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And you and hey, uh, whisper naked shadow. You're right at the at the the new inflection point. So you'll be able to start over if you really wanted to. Yeah, but I would also say if you haven't seen these movies, check them out. You know because it's a fucking amazing experience, yo. Like I was reading an article about Endgame again today, and it made me want to go watch it again. Like you know that idea. I just love Endgame. I, I still get goosebumps watching the battle. The last. Mm. Oh my god! Nothing like it. Anyway. Yeah, I can't wait to get the Blu-ray at home so I can peep Infinity War and Endgame back to back. Like I can't wait for that day, you know. And I'm just sitting here and I got like ten hours to wait. Oh, you're not that. a digital download person? Oh no, definitely not yet. I mean, no. you know, when I say Blu-ray, I mean I just say whatever, you know. I, <laughs> All right, well, you know, yeah. whatever it falls off a truck. Yeah, whatever falls off the truck. But I, I actually, I will, you know, definitely. I paid for Infinity War and I will definitely, you know. Well, I actually then I got a review copy. Shout outs to the plug. And I love that because that had the director's commentary on it. And I can't wait to do the same for Endgame because I love the Russo brothers commentary. They kill it. I'm, I need to go back and watch some on Winter Soldier and uh, Civil War, actually, because their commentary is great. And I learned so much more about the movie from it. Hmm. Yep. Well, and there it is. That was the last of the Guac questions. If mm-hmm. you have a question about geek or pop culture or your personal life, or you want us to name your child, hit us up, contact at 40nerds.com. Additionally, you can hit us up on the interwebs. We always post every week on, first and foremost, our Patreon. Those got, those people on a certain tier get guaranteed questions. In addition, we have our socials at 40nerds, such as IG and Twitters. Um, and like I said, if you have maybe a more a longer question or you want a little bit more privacy, you can email us, email us again, contact at 40nerds.com. Mm-hmm. And once again, like I said, shout out to King Wizard. We are not playing you out out there, homie. <laughs> you know, I am down to help in any way I can. But like I said, how I personally got into the WGA is just pretty much impossible to duplicate. So, you know, you got to find your own path. And, you know, I got you. I will help you out, though. But speaking of Patreon, you know, it's time for a segment that I like to call Comic Psychology. Did your own reverb? I did, you know. <laughs> but shout that out to Echo, bro- rather. That was echo. Yeah, Echo and Reverb. Yeah. You know, but shout out to Brother Chris who will, you know, add a little more on that little tremolo. A little more mustard. Uh, you know, a little mustard, a little flavor on that to make it the comics I copped intro that you know and love. 
Comics I Cop, where we talk about all the comics that we're copping. Shout out to everybody using that Comics I Cop hashtag. That's Comics I Copped with two Ps. You know, copped for picked up, bought, reading, anything, even if it's old or new, because I'm always reading something old, something new. I actually this week read uh, issue one of Redlands from Image. I never finished that series. That was the only issue I read. I read, feel like I read it before. Redlands is, from what I understand, it's the story of this town where these witches are living. And the cops in the first issue, the police come into the town. or I mean, they're already there, but the police come to the witch's home and try and burn them out. And the witches Damn. enact the terrible revenge on the cops and are like, F that dog, we're here. And that's pretty much the end of the first issue. And I never really got into it after that, but I've heard good things about it. I might have to go see if I can pick up a trade of that. Uh, Redlands. And speaking of trades, the first trade of Die by Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans is out this week. I've talked about Die so much. Um, Actually, did you see this? There was this foreign car commercial that dropped recently mm-hmm. where they did the Dungeons and Dragons kids as live action. What? Yeah, peep, look it up, y'all. If you haven't seen this, this shit is ill. It, and it's it's really bugged out to me because it's a foreign car commercial and it's like completely in another language. And I'm like, was this Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from the 80s bid there too? Because it came out right now. It cost a lot of money because the production on this commercial is incredible. It's so dope. Like they got the black, I mean, they got all the kids as live action. They got the dragon, Tiamat, that they fight in the um, cartoon. Mm-hmm. And it's ill. But anyway, back to why I'm even talking about this cartoon, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon and the commercial, which is from the 80s, is because Die is this comic that was slightly inspired by that old cartoon of these kids being trapped in a fantasy realm and how they got home. And I don't want to give up too much more about Die, but if you're into fantasy, like, like if you're into Game of Thrones, if you're into Lord of Rings, if you're into Dungeons and Dragons, Dragonlance, if you're into cyberpunk, anything that deals with fantasy or sci-fi, but mainly fantasy and like how cyberpunk blends into fantasy and all that type of stuff, read Die. You know, it's written by Karen Gillan, who I just love to death. Wicked and Divine is one of my favorite series of all time. And Die is definitely shaping up to be one of my favorite series. And the first trade just dropped this week. So well worth picking up. Art by Stephanie Hahn. It's just absolutely beautiful. So I'm, you know, I have every issue of Die so far and I'm going to buy the trade. I want to say that the, there's a role-playing game that he developed alongside um, writing the comic book. Really? And, yeah. And I want, because the comic book is based around these kids playing this role-playing game. So he developed the rules for the role-playing game while writing the comic. And I want to say that the rules are in the first trade of Die. I know he said that they'd be released alongside the first trade because there's some spoilers in the rules for the first trade. So he didn't want to give those away until it came out. So I think they're either in the first trade or he's going to release them online for free. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to go down. But look out for that. I'll definitely be talking about that. And we're going to have Karen on the show very soon. I know I've been promising this for a minute, but I was trying to wait for Wicked and the Vine to wrap up. But mm-hmm. we're going to have that interview very, very soon. So Ooh. look out for that. Yeah, I, I cannot wait. There's, I could probably do like three or four shows straight with that man. Because, I mean, the dude loves to talk. I love to talk. And there's so much that I want to talk to him about. So go pick up Die out this week. Also, I'm still reading through the Bitter Root trade 
but go check that out because the trade is out. I've only f- finished like one issue of the trade so far, so I'm kind of behind. I got to finish that. But go check out Bitter Root by David Walker and Sanford Green. And that's pretty much it for comments this week. I'm really waiting on this uh, Jonathan Hitman, who is about to do a new run on X-Men, which drops later this summer. And I'm going to be all the fuck over that. So I cannot wait for that. But uh, I know we do have some comments from our Patreon. Pa- yes, from our, from our patrons. patrons. At uh, Patreon. Yes, there's actually one, and this comes from F7 Patches. They write. Oh, what up, F7? Yep, F7, what up? Uh, I bought the first volume of Outer Darkness, and it's completely pulled me in. Very cool mm. mix of Star Trek, Lovecraft, and high fantasy. I think most genre nerds can find something to love here. On top of that, I got the first volume of Crowded. A very interesting take on what the current gig app-based sharing economy is leading to. Plus, it's pretty funny and action-packed to boot. Um, when the And you just mentioned this, Ben, about die. But when the die trade drops, I'm going to grab that. And hopefully the rules to the game to tr- and hopefully the rules to the game to try out with some friends. Nice, nice. Okay, uh, I haven't heard of Outer Darkness yet. But it's written by Jonathan Lehman who wrote one of my favorite effing books of all time. We, we actually have a video interview on our YouTube with him for Chew. He wrote Chew, which is one of my favorites. And dude has an ill fucking imagination. So I definitely believe Outer Darkness is dope. I'm also just realizing that he also wrote this book, Leviathan, which mm-hmm. is uh, features art by another friend of the show, Nit Patera. Nit Patera is on Manhattan Projects, one of my favorite books ever also. And Leviathan, the trade... Okay, the trade has not dropped yet. Ah, that's what it is. Damn it. Uh, uh, almost there. Yeah, but I, I layman and, you know, anything he writes is worth taking a look at. So I'm definitely going to check that out. And what's the other book he said he's reading? Because I hadn't heard of that one either yet. Crowded. Crowded. What's the, what was the concept behind that? Um, basically, it's an int- he said it's an interesting take on the gig app based sharing economy. So something to do with uh, by gig economy, we think we mean things like Fiverr, um, oh, Uber, okay. Lyft, stuff like that. Gig based slash sharing economy apps and shit like that. Wow. Um, I don't know if it's about the apps, but he just said that it, it's it's included in that. Mm, crowded. Sorry. All right, I'm about to check that out as well. I've not heard of either of these books, so shout out to F7 Patches. Like I say, thank you to everyone. Keep using that hashtag. It means the world to me. Everyone who's checking out comics, who's buying comics, everyone who talks about, you know, they learned something from me and read something from the first time from me that blows my mind. So thank you so much for that. I'm going to have some new stuff. Like I said, I've been slacking lately. I've been reading so many other things other than comics that... My time for comments has been a little low, so thank you so much to everybody who's sending in these suggestions and everything, and I promise to have some more freshness for you next week. Nice. All right, what else before we get out of here tonight? As usual, make sure you are subscribed on everywhere you get your podcast that is places like soundcloud apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google play podcast or music i don't even know what it's called now but um iheart radio anywhere where you listen to podcasts please listen to us and subscribe it's so important that you guys subscribe very important that you guys leave comments leave very important that you guys rate us um and as we always say you know if you have any questions concerns comments whatever hit us up contact at 40 nerds.com 
And alternatively, hit us up on the interwebs, on the socials, at For All Nerds. Mm-hmm. Word up. And also, I we did not get to see it yet, but Godzilla King of Monsters drops this weekend, and the reviews are, like, you know, all over the place, man. Like, people either love or hate this joint. It's what I thought it would be. It's, like, it's, it's about monsters wrecking shit. Like, yeah. Like, that's what it's about. That's why you came there, right? I mean, you know, are you not entertained? Fan Bros! 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 Fan B